The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. All right, good morning, everybody. It is, uh, it is great to be here at Cairn, and uh, we, have a, we have a long history with Cairn. Uh, actually, my, my mother attended here before she uh, went on to Wheaton, about the time of May Stewart. Probably that name doesn't mean anything to you students. Um, I was a student here for a while. Uh, my time here was a, an amazing time for me. It was a time when I uh, got a, a found, I made some amazing friends, made some amazing friends that have kind of walked through life with me. But I got a foundation here in, in the scriptures that has lasted or has helped me through life, a foundation that has been significant to me. And so I want to just encourage you that no matter what class you take, no matter what it is, get the most out of it, right? Because it'll be something that you will learn that you'll take with you through life, right? You'll learn from the good and the difficult, right? It's the difficult times that we often learn from. How many of you guys have been to Harvey Cedars? How many people here have been to Harvey Cedars? Youth weekend, something, right? okay. And we have a number of kids here that, that work on staff, and this summer we're looking forward to having a number, of, um, a number of the, actually the faculty here will be down speaking or be involved at Harvey Cedars. And so we have a long relationship with Karen, and we're excited about that. I'm really glad that uh, you didn't take one of your chapel cuts this morning, uh, that you were here. I think you get a couple of them. I remember when I was here, you got a couple of them. We had to sign cards. I think you guys, uh, you guys get the opportunity to just kind of uh, put some of the a fast and easy pass thing through there now to come to check that you're here, right? So it's kind of important that you're here. But chapel, when I was here, I remember that there were many times when I came to chapel that God had something for me, something that I needed to hear that that was really important as I was what I was facing in my life. And so I hope that this morning will be uh, meaningful to you as well. I was originally scheduled to speak last week while you were on uh, spring break. No, just kidding. I'm here today. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's start out today. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would uh, quiet our hearts that you would use something, uh, that you would speak through my lips, that you would use something that is said here this morning to make a difference in somebody's life. And Father, I pray that more than anything, that in a world that so desperately needs you, that they would see you in us and be drawn to your son. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So, Let's uh, work on this. I was, I was impressed with how you were re- reciting this verse, kind of a simple verse, but there's a little bit more that we want to pa- unpack out of here this morning. So I, I just want to put that, if you put that first slide up there, let's uh, kind of, I'm going to say quick, slow, slow. Now you guys repeat after me. One, two, three. Quick, slow, slow. You're, I know, it's, you're just back after uh, spring break. I know it's hard. And you know what? If you had gotten that really good, we could have prayed and we could have gone out because I knew you would have had it. But since, let's try it one more time. Ready? Quick, slow, slow. All right, all right. All right, so let me read this verse for you really fast. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Let's, uh, let's unpack this a little bit. And so... Um, 
And hopefully this morning I won't start any new uh, heresy or something like that that your theology department has to pick up. But I hope there may be some things that we kind of, that the scriptures don't really tell us, but there's some things you might want to think about, right? So uh, first of all, the book of James, right? One of the things that's interesting about the book of James is that it... um, it was written kind of early, maybe 45, maybe 12 to 15 years after Jesus' death, right? It was written kind of early, but James was the last book to become part of the canon of Scripture, right? Part of your Bible. It was like one of the last books because some of the things that James says are kind of a, a little different, and there was quite a bit of controversy over that. So similarly, like Paul says, right? Paul says in Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourself, it is a gift, it is not of works, so that you don't have anything that you can boast about the fact that you had anything to do with it. That last part's me, right? But that's the thing, but what does James say? James says, faith without works is dead, right? And that controversy is a controversy that has kind of gone through the church for years, centuries, Right? Even back to our, like our Catholic friends, they put a lot more emphasis on works, that works have a lot to do with our salvation. Right? But, we, but Paul says we are saved by grace through faith. So how do we put these two things together? Well, we, we put these things together by the fact that we are saved by faith. But our works and what we do is evidence of our faith. And how we live makes a difference. And you could even ask the, 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 the question, right? If there, isn't any, if there isn't any evidence of that faith, is the faith real? Is the faith alive? You go by a tree, right? If there aren't any leaves on it, if there aren't any fruit on it, you've got to ask the question, is it, is it dead or is it not? Is it alive? And so it's our works and our deeds are a byproduct of, of our faith. And the world needs to see that. And it's those... What they see in that fruit is what brings, in a changed life, is what points people to Christ. So, so James was, that, and that controversy kind of went on and on. And it still goes on today, right? The Reformation started when, um, when Luther nailed to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral, right, that we are saved by faith alone. Now, something kind of else that's interesting about the book of James, James was written by Jesus' half-brother right? Jesus' half-brother, right? Because they had different dads, right? Same mom, different dads, right? I got some smart kids here, right? So, so just think for me a minute, right? This isn't picked, maybe the chosen will pick this up later on, right? In another series. But think about it. Think about growing up with Jesus in the, in the bunk above you, right? Think, think about that. Or in the room next door. I'm, there, were, there were a bunch of kids, right? Probably a small house, Probably maybe a couple of them living in the same room. Think about bunking with Jesus growing up. How many times do you think that he heard from Mary? Why, James heard, why can't you be a little bit more like your brother? You know, right? You imagine if Jesus was your, was your roommate there in college there now? You know, his bed would always be made, right? Always, uh, hair was always in place, always brushed her teeth, right? You imagine mom saying to, to, to James, like, Hey, go brush your teeth. And said, what about G? Oh, he is already clean. <laughs> right? Imagine what that was like. I'm imagine. Now, now the, the chosen may pick this up. I'm not sure, right? But I imagine, right, when they left Jesus at the temple when he was 12, 
right? And they were down the road. I'm wondering, there's probably one of the wise kids in the, in the, in the family probably said, can't we just leave him there? <laughs> right? Now, Mary and Joseph, they were upset. They went back and get him. But I'm thinking for a little bit. It was like, oh, finally, finally, we'll get measured to a regular standard. But think about that. But here's the point. Here's my point, is that James believed that Jesus was who he said he was, right? James believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And, that, and here's the thing. You can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool most of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. You could come to Harvey Cedars and say, oh, that guy John Oldham, he's not a bad guy, right? Now my staff, I have a few of them here. They could tell you some of my quirks. Please, not now. My kids, they will start laughing about some of the things that I do. Sometimes I don't feel safe. My wife, she will tell you exactly who I am. She will tell you exactly because you can't fool all of the people all the time. But James believed that Jesus was who he was. He was the son of God. And he believed in him. And he believed in him so much that he was martyred for him. Now, history tells us that he didn't become a follower really until after the death and the resurrection, right? But he watched him every day. He watched him grow up. He grew up in the same house with him, right? He saw what he did. And for, to me, that's one of the proofs that Jesus was who he said he was, right? Because, he, because James believed in him. That's a proof. So let's unpack this scripture just a little bit. We, we know a little bit about the book of James. We know a little bit about the writer, Right, But let's just uh, unpack this a little bit and say, let's talk about it. We want to be quick to listen. Now, and this, this almost sounds like a parable, right, this, this verse. almost sounds like a parable. There's a couple things in the parables uh, or, or a proverb. A couple things in the proverbs that are kind of similar to this, but I've never really kind of heard this. I couldn't find it. Maybe you're, some of your Bible professors will find it and tell me, oh, yeah, the, the guy that was speaking there, he really didn't know what he was talking about. But uh, I couldn't really find it. I see some, some Proverbs that are close to this. And I just wonder if this verse, it might be just used to James. It might have been James. It might have been maybe something that was of tradition around the time. Maybe it was something that, that Mary used to tell, the, tell the, uh, the family, you know, quick, slow, slow boys, right? Or maybe it was something that Jesus used to tell the disciples. Anyway, we don't really know, but it says quick to listen. Now, that's not a very, uh, you might say, this is really simple and it makes a lot of sense. Not that easy to do, right? It's not easy to be quick to listen. That's not natural. If you take some courses in counseling, they're going to teach you how to listen, right? Because we don't naturally listen very well. And so typically, um, I don't, uh, don't want to listen. I want to talk about what I want to talk about, right? And so uh, why should we be good listeners or what are you doing? Um, Maybe I'm usually thinking about what I want to say next, right? When, I'm, when someone's talking, I'm thinking about what I want to say. Maybe I'm putting my three points of my argument together so that I know uh, that I can win the argument and so that I look really intelligent and smart. Uh, most people know that that's not true. Sometimes, you ever been around somebody where they, uh, they're kind of like slow speaking and you just kind of, you're sitting there and you just kind of have people that just jump in and finish their sentences for them, right? And after a while, that gets kind of tough. Right? Or then sometimes you just sit there and you just turn them off. You just kind of shut them off and you just kind of stop. Right? But why listen? Because we can gain wisdom from listening. 
right? Solomon talks about that we should gain wisdom in anything and all, and then gain understanding. We can understand what other, other people are feeling. We can learn about others, their needs, their wants, their hurts, their, their desires. And you know what? Life is just not about us. And it's not that blank stare that you look at, right? There's that, uh, something, you think they're listening, but there's a blank stare, right? And you just, they, they, you can, you're like somewhere else and you know it. So I had, my dad had an aunt that was really old. I mean, really old. She was like 98. And we used to go visit her in the home. And so, uh, you know, when you go into a home or a hospital room, uh, you know, you, you go into the door, the bathroom's on the left, then there's the bed, then there's a chair way over there on the other corner. There's a chair and then the TV is up over here. Right, and so my aunt, whenever we'd go visit, she would be sitting in a, she'd be sitting in a chair, and so we would be chatting, and my dad would come march all the kids in. There were four of us, and march us all in there, and we'd be there for a while, and uh, we knew when she was done listening. Right, and, and the amazing thing, the thing that we really liked when we go visit the aunt, Aunt Bell was her name, was that she could watch TV shows that we were not allowed to watch. Right. And later on, I would go, hey, Dad, can I watch that show? No. I said, well, Belle used to watch that show. Right? Now, can't, you can't watch them. I said, but she can watch them. But anyway, so she'd be sitting in a chair like here. We'd be all down over there. Right? And, then, and when, when she was done, this kind of happened. Right? And it's hard to see. This eye right here closed. And she started to snore. But this eye was wide open. She's watching TV, and she's telling us that it is done. This conversation is done. It is time for you to leave. I am not listening anymore, right? But we need to be quick to listen. It's not easy to listen. It's something that we need to work on, right? And it's not that blank stare. I found, I found it used to be years ago. I like to watch a little sports, and my brackets are ruined. How are yours? Are they doing all right? Anybody have anything that's going to make it to the Final Four? I got one or two teams left, but uh, you guys watch basketball at all? Okay. Anyway. So anyway, um, where, where was I? Um, where was I going anywhere? <laughs> We're talking about basketball. Anyway, so, <clears throat> so let's talk about this one. Let's talk about it's, uh, we need to be slow to speak. We need to be slow to speak. This isn't very natural either. It's not natural that we would be slow to speak, right? Because we want to, uh, we want to kind of jump in. We want to go first, right? We want to, we want to share how intelligent we are. I know, I know that you guys like are in, like in um, like probably Old Testament history, right? You're probably sitting there in Old Testament history, and the, and the professor asks a question, and you're probably like, ooh, 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 I got I got I got right? You want to, you want to go first, right? For me, I like, I like to not share my ignorance with everybody. I kind of want to be kind of, I want to hang in the back a little bit. But, but it, when we're slow to speak, right, we need, to, we need to think about what we're going to say. Lots of times we really ought to pray about what we want to say, right? Lots of times things come out that shouldn't come out. You know, the things that I am the most sorry about in my life are the things that came out of my mouth. Lots, I, have, I have a sarcastic gene. I inherited that from my mother. I, ha, I have a sarcastic gene. And, and sometimes things just come out of me that are not very honoring, not very nice, 
Sometimes they mean something that I didn't think that they mean, but once they come out, you can never get them back. You can never get them back, no matter how hard you try. And you can hurt people deeply, right? I'll give you this. This, this is not in the scripture, but here's the thing. Here's a life lesson. Don't say anything about anybody that you're not willing to say to their face or haven't already said to their face. That will help you, that will help you a lot. That's one of the practices that I pretty much like to keep in mind now is that I don't want to say anything about anybody that I haven't either said to their face or that I'm going to say to their face. But we need to be slow to speak. Now, did you ever think, that, ever think about this, that in this passage, you can't, you can't really multitask, right? We think we can. We like to multitask, right? So, so you can't be quick to speak and slow to listen, right? You really can't listen and speak at the same time. You think about it. People try. You can't breathe and drink at the same time. Don't try that at lunch today. <laughs> Some people can't, can't walk and chew gum at, the, gum at the same time, but you can't do those, these two things at the same time. And so we need to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And then he says, we need to be slow to become angry. And this one's really hard because sometimes I get like really angry, right? And and James says after this, he says, the anger of man doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires, right? The anger of man doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires. But somebody cuts you off while you're driving. Somebody says something that's really, really hurtful of you. Somebody hurts a friend of yours. If, if I, we have three kids and uh, we have six grandchildren, right? If somebody does something to hurt one of my grandchildren, Either if my wife doesn't get to them first, I'm right behind them, right? Because don't hurt one of my grandchildren and don't hurt one of my kids. And I can get angry really fast. Like today, when I was coming up here, when I was coming up here, I was going around a circle, right? I was going around a circle and I had my Dunkin' Donuts coffee right there in the front of the car. And I went, something was sliding on the seat over there and I went like this, knocked my coffee onto my Bible, Right? My Bi- this, is, this is my NIV pastor's Bible. And now it has coffee stains on it. I love this Bible. And I went from 60 to 120, not miles an hour, just like that. Right? And I'm thinking, God has a sense of humor. Right? I'm speaking about, like, getting angry, and I get angry. Right? But slow to become angry. So do you see the progression? Do you see the progression? Let's do it this way. Right? So, so if we are quick to listen, we can be slow to speak, and we can be slow to become angry. If you are quick to speak, you can't be slow to listen. If you are quick to become angry, you can't be quick to speak or slow to speak, and you can't be quick to listen. Because sometimes when you get so angry, right, you can't, you can't listen. Sometimes you get so angry, you can't even talk right? Sometimes you get so angry, you can't even talk. I, we had a guy work for us one time. Um, there, was a, there was a guy that uh, was a graduate of Karen that worked at another conference center that w- on one of our cooks at the time had uh, kind of moved on, and we, I needed, we needed a little help. And he said, I got this, uh, I got this guy that uh, he's got a little bit of a past, but 
He went to the program at Keswick. His life is really good, and he's a really good cook. He's never going to cook a bad meal. I said, well, it's either him or me, so we're going to hire him. That'll be great. Little did I know, right, that he were, had worked for the mob in Philadelphia. Ooh. Frank was his name. Very Italian. Any Italians here? Okay, don't take it personally, right? Very Italian, right? But he had been in the mob. Now, the interesting thing later on, he had a cousin, Louie, right? He was in the Philadelphia PD. But anyway, but this guy, Frank, he had a temper, right? He had a, it was amazing. No wonder he worked for the mob, right? Like, he would fit you for concrete boots. No doubt about it, right? But he, he worked, he worked, <laughs> but he had come to Christ, but he still had the temper. He still had the temper. And so when he would start getting mad, right, you could see it coming, right? And there was no diffusing. It was like a volcano that was going to go up, and it did. And, and he would start walking, the first sign, he would start walking in circles, right? He would stop, and, and this was a sign, it's coming, right? This explosion, this anger is coming. And then he would get kind of red, and then you would see the veins, right? And there was no stopping it. There was no stopping it. And what the Bible says here, James says, be slow to become angry. Because if you're slow to become angry, right, you can be slow to speak and you can be quick to listen. And so you say, oh, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful thing. And if that's all that there was, we would say, well, that was great. But there's more. There's more. And it's like... Um, it's kind of like that, uh, if you're watching TV, the infomercials at night, right? When you're studying ancient history, four in the morning. Here's another thing that I learned when I went to school. Uh, you might want to write this down. Anybody taking notes here? Okay, good. Write this down. You cannot do a whole semester's work in one night. <laughs> you, you cannot do a whole semester's work in one night. You may try, but you cannot do it. I'm just talking from personal experience. I have this friend that tried it. You cannot do it. All right. So with that, see, that's extra. Oh, I have one other thing I want to say. I wonder, you know, I remember I said that this was maybe like a saying that was around. Now, this is not in the Bible, right? Don't tell your theology professors about this. this is, I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm just wondering. I got about five more minutes. Good. I'm just wondering. If this was something that maybe Jesus said this, be quick, slow, slow. I'm just wondering. Or maybe it was a saying around the time. That might have just been something from James. But I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, you know the guy that, that Jesus probably had to speak to the most was, was Peter. Right? And, and I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if Jesus said that, Peter, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now think about this. So Peter, right, the Mount of Transfiguration. I think we ought to build an altar here. Jesus probably looked at, uh, we know what he said, right? But he probably looked at him and said, oh, Peter. Quick, slow, slow, Peter. Peter, quick, slow, slow. 
Now, Peter, when, when Jesus asked him, who, who, do you say, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? He probably said, oh, one out of ten. That's not too bad. I wonder, I wonder, when, when Peter betrayed him, I wonder if he looked down and said, Peter, quick, slow, slow. And I wonder, <clears throat> probably didn't happen, but I wonder, humor me. Remember when they came to the garden to get Jesus? And what does Peter do? He gets angry. He gets angry. He pulls his sword out. He cuts the guy's ear off, right? He gets angry. And, and I wonder if Jesus looked down and said, slow to become angry, Peter. And remember, he reached down, and he picked the guy's ear up off the floor, and he put it back on. He put it back on. And the guard went on. And we don't hear anything about this. But I will bet you that that guard was at the cross. Now, because we didn't have 40-hour work weeks, there wasn't overtime, right? There wasn't like, oh, I'm done. I'm done my 40 hours. I'm not going to work anymore. I'll bet you that, gu that guard was at the, at the cross. And I will bet you, I will bet you, that when Jesus said, forgive them because they don't know what they do, and when he threw up his hands, well, they're, they're not tied to the, they were nailed to the cross, but when he said, it is finished, I will bet you that guard went like this and said, he is who he said he is, because when you see Jesus, you know that you believe that he is who he said he was. And so, we want to be quick, slow, slow, but let's see the next verse, but, we, but there's more. So, therefore, so how do we do this? So, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you. Get rid of and humbly accept. Get rid of and humbly accept. Right? Paul kind of talks a little about this, right? Put on, put off, right? Wax off, wax on. Right? Paul kind of talks about that. But the, the, the word here, right, what is the putting off, right, get rid of, it's like getting rid of, that, that's easy to kind of say to do. Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right? But it's talking about really putting off, about putting off. And the word here has to do with like putting off clothes, dirty clothes. I'm going to tell you a really, really fast story because I'm running out of time. Right? We had Labradors. Um, when, when our kids were growing up. And my wife loved those dogs. And we had a dog that was about 11 years old. It was a beautiful Labrador. And, and it was, um, it, you know, had a beautiful coat. It was well-behaved. It was, it was uh, you know, it was like just fit. She loved it more than, she loved it as much as the kids, usually better behaved. But Labradors are a lot like teenagers, right? That first shot out of the house, they kind of lose their mind, right? They kind of lose their mind. And so one night this dog got out. One night, this dog got out, and the first shot out of the house, it was usually, it was gone, and the dog never came back. My wife was devastated. We put the pictures up in all the stores. We, we talked to all of our friends. Uh, we, we did all kinds of stuff, and, and weeks went by. My wife was devastated, right? So, so about four weeks later, we're sitting at Thanksgiving table, and my phone rings, and my wife goes, uh, who was that? I was Scotty. She goes, well, what does he want? Now, we were, in, and we were in Harrisburg somewhere. What does he want? And I didn't really want to tell her because I knew what it was going to mean. I said, they found our dog out on a, on a, 
on one of the marshes about three miles away from our, tent, our house. Right? It had gotten in the water. This dog would go out and go with the surfers, go out, love the water, could swim anywhere, could do anything. And so, but it got out, and somehow it fell in the water. It was a stormy night, and the dogs try to get back out of the water where they went. And so uh, I, I knew that if I told my wife that if what, who it was and where, what they found, that we would be leaving. So I'm, I'm like, I'm debating, okay, what am I going to tell my wife? So I told her the truth. So we said, we got to go. I said, we're not going to go. We're not going to, why, why would I do that? So we got in a car and we left <laughs> and uh, we drove home. And she goes, we need to go get the dog. I said, the dog is dead. It's on, a, uh, it's, on a, it's on a marshy island three miles from here. I, I'm not doing that. And, and you know what, you know what somebody, something smells like when it's been dead for weeks? Right? It's not a place. So I got in my front eye friends, and we got in a boat, and we went and got the thing, and we buried, <coughs> buried the dog out in the yard. Right? And it was, it was a meaningful service. And so, but I smelled of death. And it was all over my clothes. And I had to take those clothes off, and I had to throw, put them in a bag, and I had to throw them off throw them away. And that's what this picture is, is you got you to take it off. You got you to take that stuff off. You got to get rid of it. You got to remove it. You got to throw it away. That's the picture. And so that is what we're talking about here is that we need to get rid of and we need to humbly accept. That's how. But wait, there's more. If you go to verse 18, this is what it says. It said, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all created. We have a new life, right? We, there is a new life. When you become saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And it's that Holy Spirit that helps you do this change of life. You cannot, Matt will tell you this, you cannot live the Christian life. Only Christ can live the Christian life through you. It's Christ that can help you put off and humbly accept. It's Christ that can help you be slow, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Right? In and of yourself, you can't do that. You can try, but you can't do it. And so in a world today that desperately needs to see Jesus, right, this world is messed up if you watch the news. It's messed up. They desperately see to, need to see Jesus. And it's only in seeing Jesus that people's lives are changed. You believe in who he is, right? And you may be the only Jesus that this world sees, right? You may be the only Jesus that your friend sees. And so what they see is Jesus living through you, and they see that by you putting off and humbly accept it. They see that by you being not getting angry really fast, right? They see that by what you say. They see that by you listening and caring about them. And that's how one of the ways that you show Jesus to a dying world that's around you, right? You can't do it in and of yourself. But how we, how we live matters, and how we live to the outside world matters. And something from this book, James, a very practical little book, which was the last book to become part of the canon of scriptures, something that's very practical but very real and only happens through a changed life. But we have to let the Lord work in our lives to change these behaviors so that other people can see Jesus in us.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this parable, this, this uh, proverb from Je- Jesus' half-brother, one who saw you and believed in you and whose life was changed. We thank you for this time. I pray for each student that you would live through them and that the world would see you in them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.